Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Good evening. Thanks for tuning in to our discussion of the book of Matthew. I'm Cliff Sabro here at Nick Westberg and Curtis Pittman, and we're excited again to be digging into um, this wonderful gospel as we see Jesus as the promised Messiah. We learn about the interaction with Jesus and religious leaders of the day and why they rejected him. And ultimately, I think we are motivated to bear fruit for God. Well, we are in the climax of the book. Um, it's all pointing toward the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And where we left off in Matthew chapter 26 um, last week, we saw that Jesus was arrested. He was betrayed by Judas and denied by Peter. And that's where we're going to pick up then in chapter 27, verse 1 tonight. But you guys have anything we want to remind our audience of as we set the stage here in chapter 27? Well, we're just going to see the, the conclusion to um, how illegal their whole arrest mm-hmm. yeah. and then this trial was um, here. I think there's like eight or nine different points that, that point out how illegal it was or how it went against not only the, the, the Mosaic law, but also the, the customs of the land. Which would have definitely been significant to show that Jesus was innocent. Yeah. So the trial was flawed. It went against the law. Moses went against the law of the land, but yet they still took him to the cross. What would you have, Nick? I just keep going back to, you know, several weeks ago we talked about how, you know, from, from chapter like 11, Matthew's answering this question, why are the religious leaders rejecting Jesus? I keep going back to that question. The more I think about that question... The, the more I'm seeing the answers in 26 and in 27, we're going to see more in 27, but in 26, the hard-heartedness yeah, yeah. Of, of these religious leaders and how how much emphasis is on is, is on the hard-heartedness and the fruit you pr- produce from a hard heart. Yeah. Um, there, there is, you produce bad fruit. You don't produce any fruit. Um, there is no, there is no, there is no production value um, to consume. And so um, I, I think even just, I keep going back to this application, you know, is my heart hard? Is my heart hard? Is my, is my heart? Is my heart, heart. Yeah, yeah. Heart, But you know, you're heart. right because what we're seeing here in chapter 26, 27, it's not just out of the blue. Hey, let's arrest Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's been brewing because of something in here, right? There's anger. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's malice. There's, there's all envy, that. jealousy. I mean, there's all these, there's all these human emotions that are involved in, the arrest and trial of Jesus, which you pointed out was good, illegal, yeah. illegal trial, mind you. And it, this just goes to show you, you know. No, very, very true. <laughs> which ties back to the, those woes that we talked about here, even last yeah. week we yeah. mentioned. That, I mean, they, they were so focused on adhering to these minute details of the law that they missed the entire big picture. And, and not only do we see it in, in their lives before this trial, but, but it is exemplified in this trial. The fact that they have, have completely removed law and justice and mercy to focus on uh, you're not tithing enough of your spices. Yeah, they're blind to the truth around them because they're only focused on this one thing that comes from a bad place. Yeah. Well, let's pick up then chapter 27, verse 1. Now, Jesus, remember, this again, he was arrested. Um, he's taken into the court of the Sanhedrin. This is after hours, you know, when they're trying to put him to death, what they shouldn't be doing. And uh, Peter is in the background of all of this. Peter is asked, weren't you with him? He denies Jesus three times, and he remembers that, and he weeps. Chapter 27, verse 1. Now, when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death. So, at 
at night when they gathered together, it wouldn't have been the full court, right? I'm assuming because yeah. chapter 27 verse 1 says that now they're all there. Right. No, this is this is everybody. Um, there's only a handful probably that are there at night. Yeah. But this is everybody. This is every chief priest, yeah. all the elders of the people. These are all the leaders of Israel gathering together. And they're conferring together for one purpose. Right. To put him to death. Put him to death. Yeah. To put Jesus to death. And they, yeah, let's get rid of him. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate, the governor. Let's just stop right there for a second, because why are they sending him to Pilate? Why aren't they dealing with it themselves? What's going on here? What do you think? Pilate is the, I just learned this today, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, When I was studying more on his character, because I I see how big a role he plays in in chapter 27. Mm -hmm. Um, Pilate was, the word governor is just a general term for ruler. It's not really a specific, like, you know, we think of it's a governor, the governor of California. It's, it's an office. And so Pilate, Pilate's office, um, in fact, there's a, an inscription in Caesarea uh, Mar- Martia, Martia okay. somewhere out there, that describes his, um, his office. And it was the perfect of Judea. And okay. a perfect was someone who was a, a military leader who was in charge of 500 to 1,000 troops. And so he, his role, his office, uh, the office of a perfect, um, involved military, uh, financial, and judicial responsibilities. So he is not like Herod. We see, you know, he's King Herod. He's king of the Jews. He's the ruler of the Jews. Um, his pilot's job is, is that he's in charge of the Roman military command in Judea. And so they not only go to... Um, Pilate is the next level mm-hmm. of trial for Jesus. Well, it's kind of a weird situation because the Jews were allowed to to live and, and enforce their own religious laws and customs yeah. and all that. Rome oversaw. So you're kind of saying that Pilate handled the Roman influence side of things. Right. And yet they have later on we're going to get to Herod, and Herod kind of handled a little bit more different of Jewish side of things. Right. And he and, and it's interesting that they 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 don't see themselves as the ultimate. They, they know that they're not the ultimate authority on this particular scene here. Yeah. Um, well, so no they, one wants to be. <laughs> no. Yeah. But they know that if so, why why if they're the ultimate authority and they get they're they're the judge that gets to put him to death? Why don't they just put him to death? Why does it have to go through a Roman governor? Well, Chris, you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I, I think that they ultimately needed Pilate in order to kill Jesus. Uh, the way that they intended for him to be killed. I mean, this was, uh, I think if we go back to what we talked about a few weeks ago, that this honor culture, that Jesus decimated them in, in debates, that he was able to knock them out. They couldn't stand on the same ground as him. Uh, and so they felt insulted almost. And now this is their attempt to get back at Jesus, get that upper hand, mm-hmm. where if under the Jewish law, uh, if he was guilty of the crimes that they say he was guilty of, they could take him out and stone him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They could, as religious law, they could stone the blasphemer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. why why didn't they? But I think at the same time, it, my assumption, yeah, is at the same time, I think that they know that it's a sham trial. So they want and to pass the buck. So if the blood is on their hands by going out and stoning this guy. Uh, but oh, but hey, if we just deliver him over to the Romans and let the Romans kill no him, no one already likes the Romans. The Romans. Yeah, an insurrectionist. Yeah, yeah, it's not so, our deal. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. We just did our part to keep the peace, and we told the overseeing government to, that what was going yeah, you on. You need to watch out for this guy. Yeah, 
So it's kind of a manipulative situation that they want him dead. They don't want to actually deal with it themselves, so they pass the buck on the pilot. And we're going to see a lot of this idea here as we go on. It says, Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned. So we know Judas betrayed Jesus, and now they find he sees that, okay, Jesus is condemned to die. He felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. We'll go into their response in a second, but think about this with Judas here. Judas was the one that got Jesus arrested. He sold him out, but now he feels remorse and says, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Why this turn in his mind? What's going on here? We saw kind of a similar situation almost with Peter, because Peter didn't betray him, um, in the sense that uh, Peter is, well, let me form this thought again because I had it and then I lost it. And so... Okay, we'll come back um, to you on Come it. back to me on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you think? Because, I mean, is, is Judas penitent? Well, what, what's going on here? Well, I, I think that we see the... He, he, he changed his mind at the point when he realized that Jesus was condemned. Yeah. Uh, and so there was something that uh, I don't think he foresaw it happening the way that it came yeah. out. And we, we can speculate and think on that, uh, what we talked about a couple weeks ago, there's a, a theory that Judas was just trying to... Force Jesus' hand, right? Instigate yeah. uh, that, that, that uh, physical rebellion. Uh, but we see that what prompted Jesus, Judas excuse me, to change his mind was uh, the point in which Jesus was condemned. And we don't know if that was because um, it was, he was falsely condemned that he then had this change of heart or because it was he thought or that he was anticipating, but there was something there that prompted yeah. Judas to have some remorse. It went too far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well what I was going to say is that, you know, what we talked about last week is that Peter's kind of following him at a distance because he thinks Jesus is going to get himself out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think Judas... He sees that Jesus is condemned, and that's too far because he may have thought that Jesus was going to get himself out of it. And he sees now that there's this path that I've done something I can't I, undo. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. But. No, I know. I think I think we're all kind of leaning in the same way. We don't know 100% why, no. but sometimes you will make a bad choice thinking that it's a good choice at the time, and you end up seeing the end result of it, and you step back and go, oh, no, what have I done? And I think that's what we see here with Judas. It's, oh no, what have I done? So he goes to the chief priest and said, I've sinned, guys. I've sinned. I've betrayed innocent blood. I shouldn't have done this. And look at their response. But they said, verse 4, what is that to us? See to that yourself. Which, uh, again, just goes back to this illegal trial. That should have been the, oh wait, stop. We we cannot do this. This is an innocent guy. We cannot have innocent blood on our hands. We got Mm -hmm. to, to scrap this whole thing. He was arrested under false pretenses. He's out of here. Yeah, and that didn't happen. No, they didn't do it. They go, oh, sorry, too late, not our problem. That's this is the the ancient equivalent of not our problem, kind of yeah. right. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, and, right. and that's what it just shows the end goal of, of the, the the chief priests and the elders. Um, this was their end goal. Yeah, to get Jesus to this point of death. They didn't care how it happened or who else uh, now is writing the guilt of it. This was the decision that they had. And there's oftentimes in our life. That's kind of what we were talking to before the recording, that uh, we can we can sin, uh, and then because of the guilt that it brings on us, we try to fix it, mm-hmm. but there may be other parties that are associated with that sin that it's just like, yeah, sorry, that's on you now. Yeah. And how quickly it is that 
when, when you are attempting to repent, uh, that others are just like, yeah, sorry, it's not my problem anymore. Yeah. And where they thought you might have had a friend or a peer or a colleague, now you're just left high and dry. No, they, they were only his friend when he was a means to accomplishing their goal of destroying Jesus. They didn't want the truth. They didn't care what Judas had to say. So Judas tries to fix it, but he couldn't. So he throws the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary. He doesn't want their blood money, basically. Yeah. He throws them into the temple, and the text says he went away and hanged himself. And other passages talk about more in detail the gruesome nature of that. But Judas went away and killed himself over what he had done. Sin does that, though. You can get caught up in a situation so much that then you see what you have done, and you see the end result of it, and then you try to fix it, and it can't be fixed. It's such a feeling of helplessness. Judas chose to kill himself. Now, thankfully, by the grace of God and in His mercy, we don't have to fix everything. God can fix things for us, and in the end, He can fix it. Judas obviously didn't come to that realization here, but Judas felt the overwhelming guilt of what he did and, and killed himself. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it's, it's a sad truth that Judas is not alone in killing himself over remorse over actions yeah. that he had. I mean, we even see it in today's modern society all the time. Um, but the, the, the sad truth is, is that Judas was 100% forgivable. Uh, we see that these chief priests, these elders, they are part of the group in Acts chapter 2, but where they, are, when after Peter's sermon, uh, they come to him and said, what can we do? We're guilty of this. What can we do? And that's where Peter has the beautiful saying that, that repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your yeah. sins, that you're not out of the woods and no matter what sin we have committed, we have through grace and mercy of, of God yeah. the ability to be forgiven of that. Can we, can we ever undo all the the consequences of our sin no no but but there is forgiveness uh, with a repentant heart and that's the key right there there is forgiveness with a, that repentant and heart sometimes like you know guys like that are judas they, they don't think they're redeemable yeah, you know, yeah they don't think they're they don't there's so much guilt they're so overwhelmed by guilt that they don't believe they're they're redeemable so judas's choices ultimately led him to the place that he is just like it ultimately led jesus to the place he is he chose to make certain decisions, and when you choose to make certain decisions, it leads you down certain paths. Yeah. And like I said, that's that's kind of the beauty and the burden of free will. Yeah, um, is totally that right. our our choices are determine the you know the quality and the direction of the life that we live. Um, God is not hovering over you know telling you you know what to do and everything you need to do. We're allowed to make those decisions, yeah. and sometimes, like you mentioned, sometimes we make decisions that we cannot do, and it hurts us and it hurts others. But Judas didn't have to choose. No, he did. And Curtis mentioned that, and I know you're alluding to no. as well. And what people do sometimes is maybe they don't kill themselves, but they see where their sin is taken them, and they give up. Like you said, well, there's right. no hope for me. And I see people do it where they go into a different maybe addictions, like they turn to alcohol to try to mask those feelings right. of guilt or drugs or, right. well, I've already messed up. I might as well just keep sinning, you sure. know, and it, they, they kill themselves spiritually. Yeah, and that's what uh, the best the best diagram on that little tangent, um, uh, there, there's a, a group that, that actively fights pornography. They're, they're not uh, religiously so affiliated, but they use, use science and look at the damage that pornography causes. Uh, Fight the New Drug is the organization. Uh, and they have a free ebook um, that goes into this addiction spiral, kind of like what you were talking about, where mm-hmm. you just you, you feel that this this lack of an ability to do anything, which yeah. then 
It's just that positive feedback loop yeah. that, that circles you back into that addictive that addictive um, event, that addictive yeah. cycle, whether it's drugs, pornography, or, or compulsive lying. I mean, it's all that, that same, you get on the, the, sp- the cycle where you feel like you... I'm broken, I cannot be fixed, so therefore I gotta There's keep There's no way dead. for me to stop. Yeah. Um, except to look at my guilt and keep going, doing what I'm doing. There's yeah. no way for me to stop. Well, and... and Again, I'll get on my preachy soapbox, take it away from Cliff a little bit. But but there's often times where we can't look at who Judas was with yeah. at this time. And I know I'm reading into it, admittedly reading into it. But but Judas excluded, secluded himself from his peer group. Yeah, yeah. And he made a stupid mistake. Um, but then he he remained secluded. He remained by himself. He remained alone, and that allowed him to make this decision. Or when, succumb to probably, this. He probably didn't think he could go back to the group after what he did. Yeah. Too. But so. if he would have come back and come back to Jesus, the text, you know, Jesus saying, Come to yeah. me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you yeah, rest. Everybody's he had re- that burden, he could have been redeemed. Sure, yeah. everybody's redeemable. You know, there's nothing you've done that's not, that's too great for God to forgive. No. And that's a teaching that we need to get out there more. Yeah. Well, the chief priest took the pieces of silver, so he throws it into the temple, <laughs> and they pick it up, apparently. And they said, it is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury since it is the price of blood. Uh, uh, sorry for laughing, but now they're concerned about the law. Uh, and yeah. It's at this point that, that they've just had the sham of a trial. Uh, they, they've wrongly convicted a man to death, uh, going against all their laws and customs. And now they're saying, it's not lawful of us to do this. Yeah, we can't take that blood money that we gave to him to kill Jesus, but we can't take it and accept it into the temple yeah. treasury. What? What is that? They're so concerned with their laws. This is the flaw that we see of this religious group throughout the entire book. Is they're so concerned with the minute details of the law that they that they are that they don't they aren't concerned with the sin that they might be involved in or the things that they might as be. As long as they get this right, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. As, yeah. yeah. And yeah, but does that does do I not have the same mentality? Uh, as long as yeah. I as long as no. my butt's in the pew on yeah, Sunday morning, exactly. I can live my exactly. life Monday through Saturday the way I want to, right. provided I'm here for an hour yeah. on Sunday morning. Hey, don't we sure. say that? Gonna... We will go. Well, I go to church. Not I'm a believer. Not I'm a Christian. Not I bear fruit for God. I go to church. Yeah, yeah. I, that's our phrase. I go to church. I give to the temple. You know. And, yeah. and again, you know, Christianity. You just have to put this out there. Christianity is a lifestyle. It's not. It's not an event. It's yeah. not something we do once a week. It's, some, it's the way that we live. It's the way that we, that we, the way that we think. Our worldview is, is, in, in, engrossed in in the resurrection of Jesus. You know that that is our life, and that is what we look forward to, and that's what we try to help other people see and believe and understand. And that's what Matthew's story is driving mm-hmm. us towards: is this resurrection. You know, this amazing feat that Jesus is going to accomplish. You know, the, the, the climax of the story is Jesus dies, ultimately, on the cross. And just when you feel defeated, there comes a new hope when that stone is rolled away from the tomb. And Sounds like a good sermon series to me. You know, Where can they hear that, Nick? In Tulare, correct? Tulare, yeah. All right. <laughs> but yes, I, I agree. Uh, as we go on, it says that they didn't want to put it into the temple, so they conferred together. So they got together and talked. And with the money they bought, the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. For this reason, the field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. And they took the 30 pieces of silver and the price of the one whose price has been set by the sons of Israel. And they gave them to the potter's field as the Lord 
directed me. Okay, we'll talk about that prophecy in a second, but think about what they did. Well, we got to do something with them. Let's do so. so they do charitable outreach with the blood money of Jesus, <laughs> right? I mean, if I understand this correctly, they bought the the field where they dug clay out. They called a pot. They make pottery. It's a field that a lot of people could do things with. So like, hey, let's buy that field and make it a graveyard for those that don't have money for a funeral. So this is where self-righteous, legalism, hypocritical, uh, pride, all of that takes you where you just are so blind you do things like this. It's a culmination yeah. of all those things. Yeah. Good. But, but again, I can live my life Monday through Saturday, however I deem fit. But I just if I mess up a little bit more than this week, I'll just write a bigger check. Yeah. As long as I get my contribution in, I'm good, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's kind of what they're doing. We did charitable work. So we may have killed the Son of God, good but, God, but we, we did a good homeless outreach. You know what I mean? It's like, great, I'm glad you did this. They needed that field bought. But you killed the Son of God. And where were you Monday through Saturday? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, very it's true. Just, it's a show. And that, that too, we could... We could hinge a point on that and, and talking about the, these religious leaders is that to them perform, it, it's a performance of the law. It's a show. It's not their, it's not their real life. It's what they're, it's what they do, but it's, they don't, it's almost when you're trying to perform, it's almost if you, as if you're trying to get people to believe something, yeah. even though you yourself don't believe yeah. it. And, and we, we see that motif all the way throughout. You mentioned yeah. fruit at the very beginning in our mm-hmm. introduction. Uh, it, it's this, the fruit is reflective of the tree. Yeah. Uh, and when our fruit doesn't lie with the tree, we're going to hear what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, um, that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one that does the will of my Father. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Mm-hmm. So these Pharisees in this situation could come to Jesus on that day and say that, did we not um, do this wonderful deed by buying this field for these strangers and these poor people so that they could bury themselves? Mm-hmm. I mean, we did this great, wonderful thing in the name of God, in the name of the temple. Mm-hmm. You'll know, put a little plaque out there in remembrance of when this was purchased by these people and feel all good about ourselves, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, then let's talk about this prophecy then, because this is a little bit confusing. Because now we have Matthew telling us that this situation of the purchasing of this field that has been set by 30 pieces of silver and all this was prophesied about in Jeremiah. From what I can see, and I wrote down some notes on this one, this is kind of an allusion to multiple prophecies, not all in Jeremiah. You have Zechariah 11, and then I got Jeremiah 18, 19, and 32, all being discussed right here. There is no quotation in the Old Testament that says exactly this. So why is Matthew putting this here? Is he incorrect? Are we missing something? What's going on here? What do you guys think? I, I think to us, we, we, we initially view this as a contradiction. Mm-hmm. Um, that we see that, well, he says that this is to fulfill what Jeremiah said, but this is not in Jeremiah. The, the closest quotation is in Zechariah. Uh, but if we look at the way that the Jewish scriptures were put together, Jeremiah was the first book of the prophetic section. Mm-hmm. And, and so by saying uh, under Jeremiah, if my understanding is correct, it's just saying that in the prophecy section of the old law, this is what is seen. And so yeah. to the Jewish audience, 
uh, it's not a contradiction. It's just that, all right, so now in our Old Testament, we go yeah. to the prophecy section, mm -hmm. and it's contained within there. So kind of a, a one uh, name representing the whole kind of idea. If I might say, look, as Moses said in the Old Testament, it might not even be Moses, or, or even we do with the Psalms a lot. Yeah. We attribute all the Psalms to David. We're really maybe not one of those written by him, but we know what we mean when we say it. So I think you're probably... Correct there. Like we even do it too. We have major and minor prophets, you know, and so when you see other names that are in the minor prophet section, that could be, like you said, I, I never would have thought that, I would have never thought to think that the, the prophet section, you know, Jeremiah, it's under, you know, one yeah. of these major prophets and that's where they would go. I mean, that's, that's a good, good way to look at it. Good way to think yeah. about it. Well, and... We might refer to something as a letter of Paul, but it might be a sermon of Paul. You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, yeah, because we're, we're, we we want to be, you know, we I mean, we try to be very bulleted right, in that. In lots of ways, we are like that, and we want to, you know, we want to be exact and we want to be accurate. And that's why we have, you know, chapters and verses within the text of the Bible because, you know, and, and when we, you know, have sermons and when we write articles, we put in little quotations. You know, yeah. The, we want to be exact and we want to tell people where it is, and I think that's good. But to them, they didn't. They didn't have stuff like that. Um, but we, in our preaching, I know you and me have done this, where we'll be preaching a sermon and we're making a conclusion from a book, but we don't remember the reference. So what do we do? Well, as Isaiah said, when he said this about Jesus and this over here, we're probably putting two different passages together and we don't remember book, chapter, and verse, but we know somewhere in Isaiah it, it says, says that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of how Matthew's doing right. it here. He's not saying anything false. He's Look, as Jeremiah wrote and... We're going to attribute this because I really don't want to clarify, but actually, I mean, Zechariah 11, you know, he just, I'm going to put it all together and, and say well, it to you. And think about it, too, you know, from from a Jewish perspective. I mean, if you're a Jew and you've grown up with the law your entire life, you've gone to synagogue every Saturday, you've done all the religious ritual things that a Jew would do. When Matthew is writing this and you're reading the story about Jesus and you see these fulfillments of prophecy, you know where this is. You know what book yeah. it's in. You know who wrote it. To us, we read it and go, how am I supposed to know where that comes from? You know, if I'm just a regular average Joe reading, reading the Bible because I wanted something new to do, I'm not going to know where that's from or what the purpose of that is. Or, you know, I'm not going to see it like, like a Jewish mind is going to see this passage. And so we have to keep that in, in perspective, too, that when we're reading this, this is, this is very, very much appealing to a Jewish audience. Yeah, from what I see historically... Early believers from the Jewish background didn't look at that as something weird or contradictory. No, no, yeah. no. And, you know, we do it, like, even we might do it with the Synoptic Gospels. We'll yeah. overlap which ones talk about what and, and that kind of thing. But I think it's also important for us to understand, from an apologetic standpoint, uh, because when you're uh, approached with this, if you're having a conversation with someone on all the contradictions that are in the Bible, it's like, well, look here, you're not going to find that. That's not a quotation in Jeremiah. Right. And so it's important of us that we are aware. Yeah, so we're not caught off guard. Yeah, and that's what I think through faith I can say that every supposed contradiction has an explanation for it. Yeah. But I think we also need to be, I'm going to talk about the other side of my mouth, that we need to be careful to explain away some contradictions right. when there's hard truth yeah. to it. We get too caught up into the apologetic side yeah. of it as well. I mean, there's another yeah. one here that we're not even going to talk about. Um, Judas. In, Ma in Acts it says that Judas bought the field. Right. And here it says that the chief priest did. Right. And so, yeah, well, Judas wrote the check. They just yes, directed yeah. the ones. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's why it's so important. Like, in, you know, in Jesus, we talk about how important context and culture, historical context and, and culture is to understanding, you know, the Bible. I mean, here is a perfect example where we wouldn't know. We wouldn't know what to do. We wouldn't, we would think that was a contradiction. 
if you go and read a little bit in some different scholarly books, you can find this information very easily. Yeah. Um, to where you can, when you look at it, you go, oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm yeah. overthinking it. Yeah. Really? Right. And Curtis sometimes overthinks things, so I always accuse him I of that, I do a too. lot. I do a lot. <laughs> he says, but maybe I'm reading into this. No, it should be easy. It's good, About every though. time we do this. No, it's good. <laughs> Verse 11, now Jesus stood before the governor. So they've taken him away and they took him to Pilate. Now we don't have the transition of all that here, but now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor questioned him saying, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, it is as you say. So obviously that's the accusation that they told Pilate about Jesus. Jesus is this guy going around saying that he's a king. And how dare you say you're a king? Because that would rile up the Romans because they don't want some king over there. They got their own king. So he asked him, are you king of the Jews? And Jesus says, it is as you say. Hmm. Where did he reply like that earlier? Well, they were accusing him of, uh, um, of blasphemy. Yeah. About, are you the son of God? Were you the one who said it, right? You say it yourself. He says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 64. And here, kind of the same idea. He says, it is as you say. Kind of like he lets you answer the question for you. Or for yourself. So he doesn't deny being a king. Now, we know in other passages he talks about his kingdom is not of this world, but this is pretty big. He is saying he's a king. And Jesus doesn't seem like the the character that would go out and say, hey, man, I'm the king of the Jews. You know, it just doesn't seem like that's his character. He he refers to himself as the son of man. Um, He never refers to himself as the son of God that we see within the New Testament text. But I don't see Jesus saying, hey, guys, I'm, I'm the king of the Jews. This is something that by what he's done and the fruit he's produced, the conclusion that people have made about who he is. Again, this is an assu- this, or, or it's an assumption. Um, and it's an assumption or conclusion based mm-hmm. on his actions that they're, that they're making this charge against him. Are you the son of God? Are you the king of the Jews? Um, well, how else would you know that unless you know Something what this, him? yeah, unless you're seeing what he does and you know the conclusion or, or the ultimate goal, ultimate end of the scriptures. Um, and if this is not your picture of who the Messiah is supposed to be, that he's going to take your influence, that he's actually supposed to get behind you, well, then your your actions toward that individual are going to be much, much different than if you said, well, he's not supposed to get behind us. We're supposed to get behind him. And I think that's the contrast is they think the Messiah is supposed to get behind them, be this great military leader. And what is actually happening is God sending someone to get behind, to forerun the way for the rest of the world to be redeemed. redeemed. But yeah, I don't even think they are worried about him being the Messiah anymore. They're not even thinking that. And this is a, this is a, again, this is a a Roman, Roman asking this. So He's kind of doing it from a from a governing perspective. Yeah. So to are you speak. a lawbreaker? So are you a lawbreaker? Yeah. But I mean, they're very specific to the people, though. The Jewish leaders were upset about him being the son of God. Here, the accusation is king of the Jews. They wouldn't want a new king. Jesus doesn't answer verse twelve, and while he's not answering, the chief priests and the elders are still throwing all these accusations out there. So they're probably harassing Pilate. Yeah. He did this. He said that. And verse thirteen, Pilate said to him, "Do you not hear?" How many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge. So the governor was quite amazed. I think it just shows how hard Jesus had to work in order to be crucified, right? So go back to Isaiah, like a lamb before um, the slaughter, it was silent. And here, 
I've been, I mean, multiple times been wrongly accused of something and I, I cannot, I haven't been able to refrain from defending go, myself, right? right? Yeah, and, and I don't let it go. Here, Jesus is standing there, closed-lipped, knowing that all he has to do is say that this is bogus, and he's off the hook. He can argue his way out of anything. Yes. He's done that. But here, he doesn't say anything, and the governor, Pilate, is amazed by it. Well, you see yeah. that strength, that resolve. That word, too, can mean disturbed. As well, I think there's a reason here that they put amazed, but the, the the what he's saying would be kind of disturbing. Well, it catches you off guard. The guy doesn't say anything. Well, oh, and, and not not the, couldn't be the side. I don't know if it's the side of imp- like wow, that's impressive, or if that's the side of like that's weird. Like the guy's doing that, that he's saying what he's saying, or that he's just staying silent when they're accusing him. Because normal people, when somebody makes an act, well, I didn't do that. I, I didn't do that. I can prove it to you. You know, here Jesus is. He's just. Yeah, and I think that we see that Pilate's spidey sense is going off here, yeah. that there's there's a lot of things not right. One, why are these guys even coming to me wanting my help? Yeah. Um, and two, why is this guy just standing here letting this all ride? There, there's something weird going on here. Quote that you know the graphics you make one with Curtis saying that his spidey sense was tingling about Pilate's spidey, spidey, spidey sense. sense. <laughs> yes. Well, Jesus doesn't answer, and it's strange. You could do a and sermon about that. Pilate's spidey sense. I don't usually do Marvel themed <laughs> sermons, but I mean, I can. We can tell John Couch. Yeah. Gospel meeting time. All right. Well, now the feast of the gov at the feast of the governor um, was accustomed to release for the people anyone prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? So here's an interesting custom that goes on, that during this feast that he would let somebody go. Kind of, well, presidential pardon at the end of the term kind of thing. So that's what they do here. They're going to pardon somebody and let him go. And I think it was a way to kind of keep the people happy if there was, you know, the Romans are there, they're arresting Jews, and periodically they let one of the people go, they might like them a little bit more. So there's another prisoner that's there named Barabbas, and we learned that Barabbas is guilty of insurrection, of murder. He's not a nice guy. I also found that I believe that they say, a lot of people say his first name was Jesus, who was called Barabbas. So they have two different Jesuses, which, do you want Jesus, who's called the Christ, or Jesus, who's called Barabbas, which is kind of neat. Interesting. But, so Pilate asked, who do you want me to release for you? And what do they do? Verse 18, Mm -hmm. for they knew, for he knew that because of envy, they had handed him over. Pilate wants to let Jesus go. He found the worst of the worst in the prison and put him up against him. Yeah, here we got the guy who we all know is a guilty criminal who committed murder, is just a nasty old person. Yeah, and these guys, the chief priests and elders, would have to be out of their mind to want this guy roaming the streets again. And yet Pilate knows that they're corrupt. Pilate knows that it's from a bad thing. So he's giving them a way out and giving a way out to have to condemn Jesus. And a way out for himself, yeah. too. Because, he, I mean, his entire purpose is to maintain the peace, right? To prevent that, that Jewish uprising. Um, and he is solely focused on achieving or maintaining his job and serving that purpose. Yeah, he's given himself a, an easy way to get out of this. So I don't have to offend the chief priests and elders so I can keep the peace with everyone. I'm going to kind of work the back channels and get Jesus released this way. But the people don't have it. And that's that's what's crazy about this is 
again, the more you read into, I shouldn't say read into, the more you read it, yeah. the more you go, the more you realize how, what this scene actually looks like is, you know, Jesus is sitting there and he's, he's silent, mm -hmm. completely innocent. And here's this insurrectionist murder right up next to him. Yeah. Jesus is innocent, right? It's already been determined by, you know, and there's someone who's not innocent. So they're choosing to release a guy who's not innocent. Yeah. Opposed to a this guy is a who huge is. contrast. Yeah. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, so this is Pilate, Pilate's wife sent him a message saying, have nothing to do with that righteous man. She calls him righteous. Pilate already assumes he's righteous. For last night, I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Dreams were definitely significant in scripture. And back then people put a lot of, you know, stock in dreams. She goes, I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. So she goes, so something in my mind and my dream told me that you need to not have anything to do with this Jesus guy. This is bad news. We're doing something wrong. But the chief priests and the elders uh, and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said Barabbas. So now the crowds and the elders and the chief priests, there's a bunch of people now gathered around looking at this, and they're all calling for Barabbas to be released. So then Pilate goes, what do you want me to do with Jesus? Well, and it's even their insistence on Barabbas surprises Pilate because he asked them the yeah. question again and here in verse 21. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Which of these guys do you want me to release? Yeah. The guy that we all know is a bad criminal. <laughs> yeah. Or this guy who's just sitting here quietly. So this is the second time we've seen something like this pop up, right? Where it's uh, here Judas comes and he gives the money back. What do we do with the money, right? And then this question, here's Pilate. Jesus is clearly innocent. What do we do with Jesus? He's at the point, I don't want to be involved yeah. in it. And so he's asking the people, and essentially the people who are in the crowd are the ones who are putting him to death because they're the ones that are saying, you know. Yeah, crucify him. Crucify him. Then well, the that's what we're going to say next. Yeah, yeah, I mean. well, but, but this is a question that to, not only to the audience of the time, but to yeah. Matthew's readers, too. Right. What do we do uh, with like, Jesus? Based off of yes. this, you're in, in chapter 27. <laughs> uh, yeah, what are you going to do with this Jesus who's right. called the Christ? You have just, I mean, Pilate's on the, on, as seated on the judgment seat, right? So they, they stood to hear all the evidence. You sat down to make the judgment. So all the evidence for Jesus, Matthew has just laid out all the evidence. Yep. What are you going to do? And they all said, crucify him. Yeah. That was what they did. The verse 22, Peter said, what should I do with Jesus? And they all said, crucify him. That was what they did. They didn't care about the evidence. They didn't care about truth anymore. They didn't care about any of it. They all they wanted to do was to kill him. And he kept saying, why? What evil has he done? They, can you give me any evidence on why? And they just kept shouting all the more saying, crucify him. And Pilate when he saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd as a symbolic act, I'm assuming you're right, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourself. Same phrase of chapter 27, verse 4. You know, it's on you. And then look at what the people say. They are so wanting crucifixion to happen. They say, and all the people said, his blood shall be on us and on our children. We don't care if he's innocent or what you say or if he's righteous. We will take the punishment, and you can even curse our children and grandchildren or whatever for it. It's interesting because um, what they, they 
in Acts chapter 5, uh, Peter and John are brought forth in front of the chief priests, right? Um, and that's when like Gamaliel gives his counsel. Uh, but they say in Acts chapter 5, verse 28, um, uh, I'll start at verse 27, and when they had brought them, they sat them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And so while, while here they're saying, like, oh, we'll give us all, it. we'll, we'll yeah. do it, it's on us, here shortly they're just like, wait, 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 wait. Don't put that on us. Not on us. Yeah. And this is just shows their only focus is on destroying Jesus. So verse 26, then he released Barabbas for them, but after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Now the scourging, from what I understand, was horrific. It would be these leather straps, like a cat of nine tails with blood or bone and glass and just rip the flesh which people oftentimes died from that too. And so Pilate orders him to be mutilated too before the crucifixion. And that's where we'll stop here in our study tonight. But man, what stands out to me in all of this is, would I try to pass the buck on Jesus and say it's not my problem or would I stand up for him? And hopefully today I don't just pass the buck and that I stand up for Jesus. My question is, what will you do with Jesus? Yeah. What will you do with Jesus? All this evidence is as amounted to this question. What do you do with Jesus? What do you do when it comes time, you know, he's he's on a trial? What are you gonna do? Who are you gonna what side are you gonna be on? Curtis, any final thoughts you have before we close out tonight? I'll just kind of circle back to the comments we made about Judas, that, that while the, the, the Jewish people here are clamoring for Jesus' blood and letting his blood be on his people, we see in Acts 2, uh, they acknowledge what they've done, that, that they're torn to the heart as a result, and their response is, brethren, what shall we yeah, do? Yeah, they cry out again, but this time they don't cry out, crucify yeah, him. No, and, and, and that's what it's just... that. That grace, that mercy, that uh, is there for for the repentant heart. Yeah, Peter says to them, and I'll read it. It says, "Repent in each," because this is the, probably the same kind of crowd that wanted to crucify Jesus. He says to them, "Repent in each of you, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, mm-hmm. and all who are fall off as may the Lord God call." So they wanted to guilt upon them children, but yet later forgiveness is offered. And, and that's what, so. So his blood can be on them yeah. through the waters of baptism. And they can be forgiven yeah. of and, this horrific sin. Yeah. And it, uh, another thought I was chewing around um, is also that, that here the criminal is released while, while the righteous uh, is killed, or ultimately will be killed. And it's the same uh, with us in our life, right? Sin, the wages of sin is death. We are criminals in the eyes of God. But while we should be condemned, we will also be released yeah. because of Jesus. That is a neat comparison. Well, I appreciate everybody tuning in to our podcast and our class tonight. Um, Keep sharing these links, and and, um, I appreciate the kind words we're getting, too, about the audio quality. We're we're trying to tune things up a little bit. We've got our fancy new microphones here, and they seem to be working pretty good. Please participate in the Zoom class on Wednesday night at 7. If you need to log in information, hit one of us up. And, of course, on Sundays, we have our services at 1030 in person and online. Uh, We're talking about, you know, evidences for God. This morning, we talked about why we believe in God, and this next week, we'll be talking about why we believe in the Bible. So keep um, tuning into those and sharing those messages. Have a good evening.
Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating and God bless. Thank you.